if you don't see it, it's hard to become it. Um, so I think exposure and really articulating, you know, that this is a thing matters. On today's show, we're talking to Catherine Wong, the Chief Product Officer and EVP of Engineering at Domo. And we're asking her why there isn't more variety on show when it comes to educating young people about the opportunities there are for them in engineering and technology and why that might help allow more women to progress to a career in the sector. This is Tech Talks, your technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some tech news and opinion. It's very weird listening to the end of an interview and someone say Merry Christmas when it's nearly March. I'm guessing you recorded it at Christmas time, yeah? Yes. Um, I do also feel quite bad because I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, you're, ha- you're about to have snow. And then the United States has basically had the day after tomorrow happen to it. So, um, yeah, hmm. too much snow. Not a great thing. And I hope that everyone who's obviously been caught in the horrific weather that the United States are suffering at the minute is okay because um, that's not pleasant for anybody. It is not. It's quite bad, isn't it, really? I've been seeing it's it It's awful. It's, it's I mean, great. Texas, all the humanitarian disaster and then Ted Cruz is after years of telling, you know, uh, telling people that we should build a wall and keep the Mexicans out, what did he do? He booked it off to Mexico. <laughs> Very true. See ya. <laughs> terrible. Terrible, terrible, Whoa. terrible. But... Yes. Um, nonetheless, obviously it was recorded just before Christmas, so a little bit of delay getting it out, but still plenty of interesting insight there. Mm. Um, so we will go to the interview. It's with Catherine. Um, Catherine is the Chief Product Officer, uh, EVP Engineering at Domo. We're going to be back with some commentary on it afterwards and some news. So today I'm joined by the Chief Product Officer uh, and EVP of Engineering at Domo, Catherine Wong. Uh, Catherine, thanks for joining me on the show. How are you? Great, happy to be here. Uh, and Domo is a is is um is a company that we had on the co- the show a few years ago when we interviewed Ian Tickle. So it's it's lovely to see a returning brand. Um, for anyone who didn't didn't listen to that show, and also because as I say, it was a couple of years ago that we spoke to Ian. The business might have changed slightly. Who are you? What do you do? So I am the chief product officer at Domo, which means I lead engineering and product. And um, at Domo, we deliver a modern BI platform. So that provides BI leverage um, at cloud scale in record time. And really, when we think about that, um, there's data agility. So how do you connect and transform across the data sources in your organization? Data literacy. How do you equip your entire organization to understand, visualize, and analyze that data? And then intelligent action. So the point of data is not just to collect it and hold at it, hold it and, and look at it, obviously. It's to then empower action across your organization. And that might be through building applications, connecting to different systems that take action. And really, we find that um, having that platform can really accelerate an organization's ability to make data-driven decisions. Now, just out of interest, what what was your career to date to get you into this role? Because I, I think that's possibly quite an interesting thing. You've you've worked at a number of big organisations. If you think about it, it kind of uh, Adobe is on your CV as well. Um, you you've been co advisor, sorry, co co founder and advisory board for for the US Women Tech Council. So you've you've done a number of interesting roles, both. Um, in a in a kind of working for organizations and also I suppose giving up time and, and helping others, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my background is computer science. Um, that was my degree. And then I worked as a developer for many years at Omniture and then have also I've held just about every role you can have in product development um, because I've always been infinitely curious about what goes into the creation of product. Um, so I've also led global teams of hundreds at Adobe. And that spectrum of experience, whether it's at a startup or a very established um, brand has been really helpful. And as you mentioned, I'm very passionate about diversity and inclusion, myself being the daughter of immigrants and a woman in a field that um, you know is largely filled with males. So I've devoted time to the Women Tech Council. Um, that's, that's something that's really important to me personally. When you were a student, I would assume then that you were in that kind of very stereotyped environment where you were you were heavily in the minority uh, in in your studies. Yes, absolutely. It's a very interesting experience, right, to go through um, university, um, you know, with your labs and your classes, and recognize that um, you don't match a lot of who you look at and see around you in class, right? So, why do you think why do you think that is? Just very quickly. I'd be fascinated to know why why you think it is that so few um, girls, when you're talking about young women, don't kind of go down that STEM route, don't take it through to university, because women at that age disproportionately do better than men in science and maths. So it's it's odd that you you don't find more taking it onto certainly in the UK if we think about further education, higher education, poss- possibly the wrong terminology for the states, but why they don't follow then through to college. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you're you're touching on um, a topic that's really largely discussed in our in our industry, right? In tech, because no. we're very concerned about this, um, and we see that there's not as much of a pipeline of girls who want to go into and pursue the degrees. And what I think is even more concerning too is even of those who do get the technical degrees, we see a drop off in those that stay in the industry. And that's really a loss for us in the tech industry, right? We're losing their voices, their perspectives, um, and the economic impact that that can have on an organization as well as, you know, kind of a global economy. Um, So I think there are a lot of things that we can do to help solve that problem. Um, Some of it is awareness. I, I think it's hard for you to become what you can't see. So if you don't see examples of someone who might look like you or have common um, traits as you in these roles in leadership or in tech or in you know the STEM field, I think sometimes it's as simple as that. If you don't see it, it's hard to become it. Um, so I think exposure and really articulating you know that this is a thing matters. You see, I, I think that's an interesting point because you you mentioned there that this this is something that we're kind of preoccupied with in the industry and it has been talked about for a long time, seemingly without a huge amount changing. Um, and I always say to people, it's not about, it can't be about role models because there's plenty of strong um, technology leaders who happen to be female out there. So I, I don't quite understand the, the exposure piece un, unless it's just that education still describes a very stereotyped view of tech that existed maybe 30 years ago. Because I, I, if you actually look at industry, there are lots of really strong female, free, female leaders. There are quite a few. Um, But, you know, percentage wise, I think we'd all agree it's not nearly what we think it should be. Right. And so I think that what they're seeing is right. There there are some. Absolutely. And we've made great progress. um, But you don't necessarily look at that and say, oh, that looks like a really um, open, welcoming, you know, playing field um, because you see there's there's just a few. 
Um, and so I think that, you know, as we continue to change that, that's going to really help. Um, I think the other challenge is, um, I'll speak for myself, coming up, I didn't understand the variety of roles and what that meant I could do, right? So I had this vision of there was, you know, perhaps a very specific path and a track, and you had to be willing to kind of do that. And that's what I mean by sometimes you just don't see. I wasn't aware that there are elements of marketing, there's elements of product design, um, there's product management, there's technical writing. It's not just about perhaps, you know, the the stereotypical coder. Um, and I think giving exposure to those different types of roles is incredibly important as well. And something that in education, as you mentioned, um, we can do better at. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, it's interesting there, you mentioned marketing and, and uh, prior to um, that point, you, you talked about the fact that you'd worked in product, you mentioned data, you mentioned software development. Um, yeah. The the impact of the, of the pandemic on organizations has, has been to, I, I suppose, exacerbate the need for, for a hybrid model and people working at speed. And I suppose that multidisciplined approach, is is that something that you've seen? What, what What's the impact that, that you've witnessed in the last, let's say, nine months or so? Yeah, I mean, of course, the pandemic has had an impact on how we work and um, the nature of what we are able to do um, from different locations. And um, we've certainly seen that, um, you know, the ability to really um, blend a lot of these functions and um, work effectively across these um, different departments um, from, from remote locations and be data driven about it. Um, has a huge impact on organizations. And um, so that's definitely, you know, um, something that we're seeing among our customer base, among ourselves. You mentioned there about the location piece. How is, are you, have you kind of, have you got a solution in your own business for that at the minute? Is it, you know, because some organizations are saying, wait and see, Google are saying, well, we might come back to a, to a working environment. The likes of Twitter have said, no, we're remote. There seems to be no real consensus yet on it. I agree. I don't think there's consensus yet. And I think, you know, if you're looking at trends for 2021, um, that's certainly going to be an ongoing topic as we all figure out and adjust um, for our organizations. And I think it will probably also vary by role. Um, you know, I think flexibility that is defined, you know, based on different roles in an organization will also come into play. I know you had Carrie Moulton on and she talked about the need for flexibility. Um, yep. And I think that's just, that is going to be a trend in 2021. And there's not consensus, but I think it's um, definitely important for us as leaders to be asking ourselves, um, you know, what are we doing? How are we thinking about it? What might our employees need? Um, because I don't know that there will necessarily be a one size fits all. As a leader, um, whilst this situation, the way it was thrust upon us is, is was far from perfect, what lessons do you think you've picked up that you carry back into a physical working environment? Well, I think, you know, we have had to adapt the way that we have led and worked with our employees. And I think that adaptability, that mindset of acknowledging that things are changing, um, I think that's something that we're going to carry with us in the future. So I'll give a, a little example. Um, before, when we were in the office, um, we would do weekly recognition for team members. And, you know, it, it consisted of a confetti cannon and, you know, people gathering around someone's desk, really, you know, listening to the highlights of what they did. And, and just, you know, that nice moment of recognition um, really quickly, um, but very important. 
And we had to translate that. You can't do that anymore. So we've done little Zoom, you know, uh, meetups, five minutes, everyone changes their background to match a theme. Um, But we still want to read the highlights of what that individual did and recognize them. So you know, that's an adaptation that we've had to make. And I think going forward in 2021, we'll see physical spaces as we re-enter. Um, I think that they'll change. Um, they need to acknowledge the need for, of course, physical collaboration, but also quiet workspaces. Working from home is has many advantages. Um, but for those of us that perhaps have children who are doing online schooling or, you know, it can be kind of challenging as well. So, you know, our physical workspaces in the office, I think, need to accommodate that as well and give quiet space it's, it's interesting you touched there on uh children look I, i'm pretty lucky in many regards i don't have children that's not necessarily lucky but it's made the last nine months more peaceful uh but i am straight and i'm white and i'm male and i'm all the kind of very privileged privileged things but you mentioned kerry uh moulton as, as a previous episode there um kind of if i look at, uh, at kerry's example you know she she works part-time and it's probably a lot easier to convince an organization to measure someone by output rather than hours and being seen to be at a desk in this current situation. And yes, at the same time, there's obviously that narrative around this is very difficult on women, perhaps, where there's an expectation to not only hold down jobs, but suddenly run the home and the kids are there and schoolwork. What What's your feeling? Has this been disproportionately averse to, to, to women in the workforce? Or do you think there's some benefits there as well. I mean, it, I I can't quite wait make up my mind <laughs> what what where where the kind of the emphasis if it's more overall more negative or positive as yet has been. Well, you know, I think we can look at um, certainly some statistics that um, indicate that it is impacting women um, in certain ways, right? So in the UK um, during the pandemic, one in three working mothers have indicated they've lost work or seen their hours cut due to childcare responsibilities. That's Mm -hmm. notable, you know, Um, and globally um, at the peak of the pandemic related lockdowns, we saw that there were 1.7 billion students who were affected, right? Meaning they had to go back home. Um, So I do think it does impact um, women. And I think we have to ask ourselves, uh, we already are in STEM and in tech facing a drop off of graduates who stay in the workforce. So how might the pandemic be, as you're asking, you know, making that better or worse? I think that some of the improvements that come with remote work and flexibility can be assets and, and really enable new types of work um, and work schedules. Um, But I also think that we have to ask um, our employees, what is this like for you? How can we make it better? Um, And I think that's our responsibility. Domo is all about, uh, Domo is all all about rather collecting um, data points, right? And, And I would imagine in the pandemic, lots of organizations have turned to data or they've tried They've tried to collect data in a, in a more structured way than possibly they had before. It's, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with someone earlier who, who works in a data business. And they were saying, you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about all these wonderful things that we could do with data. And then actually, it's the realization that many organizations simply still don't have structured data that they can use. Um, do you think that's improved over the last nine months or more organizations have kind of woken up to the reality that, yeah, data is really important, but we're still not collecting it very well? 
I think it's definitely been something that um, during the pandemic has had more focus and more light on it. And those organizations um, that have been able to really respond quickly because they um, are looking at data, it's meant, you know, it's made a huge benefit, um, a huge impact um, on their organization. So one example is a local grocer we have here um, in the States, um, Harmon's Grocery, they track their sales every 15 minutes with um, Domo. And when the pandemic hit, if you recall, right, I mean, there was a lot of panicked buying. Uh, people were going into the stores. Not only were they getting toilet paper, as we know, and hand sanitizer, um, but what was interesting is this grocery store was able to see that, for example, root vegetables, which normally would have taken a week to sell, were selling within days. And spam, I don't know if you have that in the UK, but the the meat in the tin <laughs> yeah, I, to be honest, I thought that was just because it's a it's a hangover from the First World War. I think like, I assumed it was a very British thing, so that's that's news to me. <laughs> we have that here. Um, so oddly enough, spam, right? That's a very good um, food to have in storage if you're in a panic. Um, right. That started to become one of their top five selling things across all grocery stores, and they never would have guessed, right? But by looking at this data. Um, they were able to actually very quickly respond um, reports that would have taken them, you know, months in the past to try and collate and figure out what do we need to do. He had the report um, within 30 minutes and they were able to immediately contact suppliers and say, we need more spam routed here. We need more, um, you know, root vegetables. Um, some of the, the less obvious things that really helped customers have a better experience when they were going to the store. And, and you know, of course, very naturally worried about what was happening. Um, so that's just an example. It's a decisive advantage to be able to have access to your data and respond quickly. Now, one last quick question, and I'll try and put you on the spot slightly. Uh, you, you mentioned that maybe quiet works, quiet spaces at work would be would be something that would be a, a positive post pandemic, um, and the work environment is going to be slightly reimagined. What would you like to see physical working spaces adopt from the lessons that we've learned over the past year? If, if you had to choose one thing. Oh, just one thing. Uh, so what I would love to see them adopt is actually just, you know, recognition of the yeah. different types of work that we have. We do have a need for a physical collaboration. I miss whiteboard sessions with my team, right? Um, that's important. Um, but I also recognize there's there's quiet work that we, you know, for different roles that we have to do. Some people have to be on, on the phones a lot, you know. And um, so I think really just embracing that, I think we can be creative. Um, you know, we are innovators in tech. And so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be pretty fun. Well, look, thank you um, for your time today. Uh, I understand that you're in Utah. I would imagine in the middle of the country that you might have a white Christmas. Yes, I think we probably will. We're, we're going to get some good snow today. I'm jealous. Well, actually, good snow in American terms might mean kind of like six foot or something slightly <laughs> kind of crazy, mightn't it? But uh, hopefully not too much. Better than London rain anyway. But um, thank you very much for your time and have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too. Right. I. It's interesting. I have lost count the amount of times over nearly 400 episodes, over God knows how many technology conferences, over whatever else that I've asked the question around... Um, girls and i say girls when i when i refer to young women but mm. school age girls in education and yet the lack coming through the pipeline into into uh, the workforce and why that is like i've been asking that question for 5 years exactly the same question and getting pretty much exactly the same answers and it's so frustrating because we've spoken to some amazing women who do some 
absolutely incredible work and we just don't seem to be any further forward instagram man i'm telling you it's it's just it's this whole social media thing it's it's just not it's not cool is it you know i i I think i think it's just a perception it's got and and I'm, i'm the same as you i've read a lot of things we've been in certain kind of conferences and and that sort of stuff together and and you know everyone's kind of addressing that issue you know why why are we not seeing kind of female representation? Why are they not coming through? And then obviously that's reflected the further up the food chain you go uh, within organizations. But I just, I don't know. I think it's just a perception of it, you know, but like she said in the interview, it's not just about being a hardcore techie and, and kind of locked in a basement. You know, there's so many more things that you can do in technology. And I think it's just about someone, one of these, one of these girls, you know, with blue ticks on Instagram, you know, that are like uh, talking about kind of, I don't know, 15% off and use this code. If they just kind of alluded to a bit more kind of, you know, this is kind of technology, let's help shape the future. You know, we can bring about ideas, change, that sort of thing. I, I think it'll be great, you know, and, and I definitely think that that could help start a movement. We're obviously partnered up or, you know, we get kind of, social networks or, or kind of you know female networks um on the on the show and, and in the pod in the past but i just think i just think we need to get that that kind of oomph back you know in in, in our kind of females and 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 kind of take it on from there i, I don't know it's, it's a yeah i mean it, it is a tricky one because because i hear what you're saying like there are accounts out there like I'm, I'm just having a quick look her hello world so holly who we've had on the on the podcast before um who runs her hello world she's got 23.7 thousand followers on instagram so there are accounts out there that Mm. show girls the reality of what it's like being an engineer and that it's not you know that super geeky um version of what it of what it might be and here's Mm. someone young and approachable and and interesting and into all sorts of different and and you make the point about variety and catherine makes the point about variety and hollywood make the point about variety there are lots of different uh, application and, and uses of those skill sets that are quite interesting hmm. far beyond what you get told at school hmm. Hmm. exactly but i suppose the vast majority of social media is not those accounts i suppose they're quite hard to find you have to know that they're there to discover them you're not going to just stumble across them in your regular feed no and, and you've got to be following the right pages and the right algorithms to pop them up in front of your face and stuff you know what i'm talking about is you know, and, and this is going to be an absolute swing here at, at, at any of these kind of Z-list celebrities. But, you know, if, if people like that actually got involved in certain things, um, and, and a good example of it is, is um, you know, when Dragon's Den used to be on TV, right? A lot of the contestants, you know, used to have like some sort of a social following and, and kind of bring, you know, a lot of kind of new ideas or entrepreneurial ideas or educational kind of ideas into the, you know, yeah. kind of the kind of mainstream world. But, you know, that's obviously not on TV anymore and you can't rely on on a show. But, you know, I'm talking about these, you know, Love Island, uh, you know, sorts of people and, and, you know, celebs go dating and well, what's a new one, Married at First Sight or something, which is sweeping mm-hmm. people, you know, people like that actually who 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 generate a following overnight, really, 
right? And if yeah. they, if they, you know, were to come out, support, you know, help kind of just throw the word out there, I think it would help change a lot of things. Because if you think about it now, think about how many females, if we just look at the UK with schools kind of, you know, being shot for the best part of, you know, three, four months, um, you know, how many females will be at home at the moment within that kind of school leaver university type age thinking, well, what the hell am I going to do with my life? You know, mm. what, what, what am I going to do? What, you know, what, what's going to help me? And if we had, you know, these sorts of ideas being thrown out there, I reckon that'd be, that'd be perfect. I mean, you do, you do see some people using their, their, their platform for good. I mean, um, Alex George, doctor on Love Island, Dr. Love on Love mm. Island. He, mm. he talks very openly about mental health. Yeah. And, and I know he was at number 10 recently. I, I saw it was in the press that he was, you know, out there talking about it. And I know, I know tragically he lost his brother. So there's there's someone who's using that following to promote a, a, mm. an issue. Um, Kim Kardashian West, or just Kim Kardashian rather, sorry now. Um, <laughs> horse is going through, isn't it? Uh, Kim Kardashian um, doing a lot around penal reform. Yeah. Um, and actually getting involved in in legal uh, process, mm. um, really raising an issue there. But you're right. I, I, you know, I suppose you're right. You know, for all for all that there are one or two examples there. Most are just discount codes for certain brands. And yeah, and and, and do you know what? I'm not I'm not knocking that because obviously I respect. No, the, the, everyone's got to make money. And exactly, yeah. and and I respect the hustle, and 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 they're they're doing their thing and and whatever. But. I think if some of these organizations or schools or, or you know, people providing these courses or, or, you know, these women's kind of networks, especially kind of went out there. I mean, you, you work with a lot of them, you know, you, you're doing kind of online virtual stuff with women in tech and, you know, all these sorts of people, you know, if they got the, the kind of brand ambassador type or, you know, kind of the, the ownership of, of someone like that, I think they could attract a lot more people. You know, when we're not we're not saying that's going to change and suddenly the numbers are going to go up and all this sort of thing. But what I'm saying is, just just you know, kind of sow the idea, sow the seed, right? I suppose it's like it's like gamification. It's like hacking hacking into other people. You know, if you can get someone who's going to be in those particular feeds that you're not in already, hmm. there, there are there are female role models out there, but their voice isn't being amplified to an audience that hmm. hasn't already discovered them effectively. Hmm. Um, I also thought it was very interesting when she was talking about pandemic, you know, that there are, there are improvements that are assets with regards to, to um, working from home and what that could potentially mean for uh, inclusion and gender balance. But at the minute, those assets aren't being realized. And there's a report out from McKinsey stating how the pandemic has been bad from an inclusion point of view. Basically, there is the opportunity for the situation for us to be in to unlock a lot of good. Unfortunately, that's just not being realized. Exactly. And, and I think I think what's happened now it's first we used to say, oh, you know, we don't have flexibility, you know, so people maybe with um, childcare duties or, you know, with, with kind of duties for family or looking after kind of vulnerable people in their family, whatever, you know, don't have that flexibility to, to work from home. And now what's happening is when we are working from home, people are being, not forced, but, you know, the, the workload is such that people are now actually working more and longer. And it's actually, mm. it, it's providing a, I guess, a, hazard to their 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 marital lives or their family lives yeah i mean it's it's been stated that you know uh, gender norms stereotypes have been entrenched mm. um women are being expected to look after the kids do the housework and then mm. go back and do their jobs until nine o'clock ten o'clock at night when the kids are in bed yeah and that's that's yeah. not sustainable and it's not right no, exactly. And and the excuses obviously that they're getting is well, you know, you're working from home so you can work whenever you want. But that doesn't necessarily mean 
work at four o'clock in the morning, you know, and then kind of have a break in the chunk of the day to homeschool your kids and then start back online at seven, eight o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I think it's it's humans, isn't it? We we somehow manage to just cock things up when it could be quite <laughs> quite simple, isn't it? Really, we somehow just manage to just you know just screw things up majorly. Uh, oh, I don't know. I, honestly, honestly, I think everyone just needs to relax a little bit and you know take take a breather and and actually just you know reevaluate. I don't know. Does that sound like me having a rant? No, not really. I think you know, I think it's probably true. I think on mass we don't do a great job of things, do we? Um, <laughs> on that note, though, Catherine, thank you very much for being our guest this week. We're going to take a quick advert break. When we're back, we're going to be talking about something that cuts out the faff. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, Akish, we're talking about TikTok. It cuts out the faff. Young people turn to TikTok for cooking tips, right? Mm. So Anna Spearing started making when she was eight or nine, making ginger biscuits for the fat from the family kitchen in Southampton, watching endless YouTube videos full of really yummy ingredients in a period she refers to as the simpler times. Bloody mm-hmm. hell, I feel old. Because now 15, she's still baking, and their recipes have become more diverse. The videos are snappier and much shorter, having discovered TikTok, the social video sharing platform used by all of her friends. She now frequently cooks dishes based on 60-second viral videos, soundtracks by Earworm Songs, and edited at rat-a-tat speed. Um, God, I feel old, just to say that, because whenever mm. I do a cook-along on, on something, I find myself pausing it endlessly to be like, what do they say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you, have you ever um, have you ever tried the um, the Gordon Ramsay in 10 thing? No. Yeah, you, ever, you ever tried some of his recipes? Right. So, so, so he, he manages somehow to do it in 10 minutes, right? He's, I think he's got his daughter like recording it and he's all, you know, got the little timer on the side and stuff. I tried doing, what did I try doing the other day? Bangers and mash, right? And I was like, ah, oh, 10 minutes, no problem. It took me blooming 55 minutes and it took him 10. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking either he's got better, you know, better gas or, you know, probably high produce, to be honest, like better quality maybe. But Surely the sausages are pre-cooked. Sausages don't cook in 10 minutes. Well, no, no, no. He, he managed to do it. It was raw. I saw it. Yeah, but the, it was, hang on. The potato, how do you mash potatoes and cook them in? It takes well, like fifteen minutes to boil potatoes. Yeah, but like he was like he was cutting them really small and doing all the. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm the same as you. It's yeah, I don't get it. And it, it's like that rap thing that came up on TikTok. Do you remember a few? It was it about a few months ago where it was like one round wrap, but like four ways. So you cut it and then you have like different things. Do you, do you no, know I don't. Want? No, no. Anyway, you, I, do you I, mean I, like it like a, like a, like a bean wrap? Kind of, like, yeah, but it was like a breakfast wrap. So you had like, yeah. So, so it was, was, sorry, when you first said wrap, I was like, why are we talking about music? No, you mean a no, wrap no, as no. In a bread? A wrap right, as in okay. yeah, 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 yeah. With a W, yeah. got you. W wrap, yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, I, I'm impressed with that though. To be honest, the 60 second recipe, I, I can't, 
I faff around a lot, if I'm honest, and, and that's that's me trying trying to be quick in things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it's awesome if um, if TikTok is being utilised, and that you know, it points out there's a lot of kids who are stuck at home. Mm. Uh, school's not happening. Christ, it must be driving parents to distraction. It must be. It's 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 totally unfair on on teenagers let's face it if you're 14 15 just being told that you can't see anyone you stuck at home the entire time must be a nightmare i'd have gone mad so if mm-hmm. they're turning to, to cooking and tiktok is 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 offering stuff like that you know we were talking about social media before and it being mm-hmm. used for, for really good reasons here it is being used for a really good reason um what one of the um, spectacular beneficiary, by the way, of the surge of interest in cookery on the platform is someone called Poppy O'Toole, who this time last year was a busy Michelin-trained London chef with only a right. passing knowledge of TikTok. She lost her job, right? She, aged 27, she felt a little bit lost, decided to record a few cookery videos from home and upload them on the network, right? Um, mm-hmm. She did a video about crispy cube potatoes I was having for dinner, got 100,000 views. She now has 1.4 million followers and is publishing a book deal with, Blooms- uh, with Bloomsbury. Oh. How amazing is that? Go on, Poppy. That is decent. Poppy that is very, Obviously, very good. Michelin trained. It's not like me or you being like, there yeah, you go, yeah, bangers yeah. and mac. But- yeah, there you go. That's amazing. That is that is social media being used in a really positive way. Very, very good. And I think um, I think also these restaurants as well. To be honest, I don't know if you. Like, I'm quite a big Wagamama's fan, but um, they they've on their like uh, YouTube channel. They've got like their chefs doing certain dishes, so like katsu curry, firecracker, these sorts of things, and you can actually like cook along with them and stuff. So I think yeah, social media for those sorts of things is is excellent and is very very good. And also you. You know, you think about this demographic of people that would have gone to university. I'm, I'm talking about kind of younger people anyway, but, you know, um, that are probably now sat at home thinking, oh, you know, I've got three years away from my family home and my parents. And suddenly it's like, no, you don't get back there. So, you know, maybe they're just kind of doing their stuff, you know. Think about how much spare time you used to have at university. I, I had loads, but, you know. Yeah, I, and if you, I didn't do the stuff I was supposed to do. Yeah, no, till the third year. But um, but uh, you're just sat at home. You can't even go out and see your mates. You know, you can't go out, can't yeah. do anything. So, yeah, social media for that sort of stuff, good. Thumbs up, like it. Awesome to hear, awesome to hear. Anyway, look, that'll bring us to the end of today's show. Uh, Akish, thanks for your time as ever. We will be back on Friday. Oh.